Welcome to the Inquisitive Tourist. My name is Nate Ralph and thank you for joining me. Have you ever been at the beach and admired those who seem to be able to almost dance on the water? What am I referring to? Of course, it's the surface amongst us. Many of us think it's extremely cool, but when it comes to ourselves, we just can't imagine doing it. For those of us already passionate about surfing and experienced, you're going to love hearing from a fellow surfer with a huge amount of experience. And for those of you who are considering getting into it, or perhaps taking a surfing vacation for your first time, this will be of great help to you. My guest today has been surfing since the age of 17 and resides in Madrid, the Spanish capital. His name is Ruben Martin. Ruben, welcome to the show. Thank you, Nathan. Thank you for having me here in the show. It's a pleasure for me to be here. Thank you for, for joining me, man. I'm really uh, excited for this for this conversation. I'm not a surfer myself, but I've always admired it. So we really look forward to uh, to, to speaking to you today. Okay. Likewise, yeah, it's a pleasure to be here and, and talk a, bit, a little bit about uh, one of my passions, surfing. Fantastic. So, Ruben, just to, to kick us off, could you just tell us a little bit about yourself, uh, some, something about your background and where you were born and raised? Well, I was born and raised in, in Madrid, as you said, the capital of Spain. And I went into surfing when I was 17, as you, as you said, just because my brother got me into it. Uh, and I started in Canary Island with, uh, with, uh, with some friends. And then since then, I, it's one of my passions, as I said, and it's one of my favorite things to do. Awesome. Yeah, the passion is already coming through in your, in your voice. So you said that your brother got you into it, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, he, he bought uh, a board uh, and then I got to start into it. Uh, it was very hard for me at the beginning, but a little by little, I was, I was practicing uh, a little bit more. And then I can say, like, I really have fun now surfing. And did your brother get into it at 17 as well, or did he start at an earlier age to you? He was younger than me, and he he showed me a picture because we used to go every summertime to Canary Island. So he showed me a picture, uh, and he told me, hey, you know what? I got a board, a surfboard, and, uh, and I was freaking out because he knows that is my passion <laughs> and he was my passion since, they, since I was probably a kid I mean when I started going in summertime with my parents I saw people surfing when I was probably I don't know seven eight and I thought one of these days I want to become like one of these guys and then 10, 10 years after that boom I saw surfing that's amazing so like do you still today like surf with your brother do you still get a lot of time to to go out on the water with him yeah, I mean, it's it's hard to meet up because he's a professional skater and he lives in California. So when he comes to Spain or with me, uh, we meet somewhere around the world. We, we go surfing, of course. Sounds amazing. Awesome, man. You said he's a, a professional skater. So, I mean, did, in any way, are those two things linked? You know, because obviously you, you need good balance in both, right? Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's not the same. It's not the same feeling skating and surfing because one of them you are skating the concrete another one you are in the water but some movement some balance as you said yeah it's similar pretty much the same yeah no of course uh, that that makes total total sense so obviously that's a nice way that you got into it because you had a family member who you know in in your case your older brother that that's a great way of of getting into it i guess not everyone is lucky enough to have like an older brother who who surfs so for someone else like just a regular person what sort of uh, what sort of way could they get into it if 
obviously they don't have a family member or close friend that does it. Have you got any advice on that? Well, yeah, what I can tell you is like, just, just try. I mean, some people think like surfing is very difficult. And I'm going to tell you the truth. Surfing very well is very difficult because it's very technical. But to have fun is not something impossible. So what I would say like uh, to, to people who are start thinking about how, uh, going surfing or learning this, uh, this discipline, let's just try to go for it, get some lessons, uh, look for a, a good spot that you can go surfing and be patient, very important, and be constant. Of course, it is important too. Yeah, no, that's that's good advice. Just before as well, like diving more into the sort of the topic of surfing, I think it's worth speaking a little bit about the safety aspect because I know from experience that quite a few people are scared just literally getting into the water because of currents. So could you give us a bit of advice for anyone listening to this today? If you're in the water and a current is going in a certain direction, what are you meant to do so that, you know, you, the water doesn't take you out into the sea? Yeah, well, yeah, I've been in, involved in different scary, scary moments in my life about surfing. Um, what you th- have to think or anyone has to think is like, it's very easy to to get in panic when you are in the water because you, you don't know what you're going to find and there are many currents and there are many situations that you can start feeling panic. And uh, the very first thing that you have to, to know is like get lesson, talk with a professional and he will uh, teach you or train you about what to do in the water. For example, so if we have to talk about currents, uh, many people try to escape from the current and just paddle, paddle. And what the thing is that you get exhausted easily. So one of the keys, for example, if you are in the middle of the current, uh, in a current, what you have to do is, feel, first of all, uh, breathe, relax, and try to paddle parallel to the shore. Not try to go out, for example, because you're going to lose your, your energy easily. So one of the tricks is, is this one. Just try to paddle parallel to the shore and little by little you get off of this uh, current. This is one of the things. I mean, there are many other things that you have to learn when you are in the water and something happens to you, what to do. Okay, but that's that's quite an easy one to remember at least. So to swim parallel to, to the shore is uh, mm-hmm. is a good one to remember. Now onto the yeah. equipment, Ruben. What kind of board uh, and wetsuit would you recommend to those wanting to start surfing? Well, the very first thing that you have to do is you have to think how tall are you and also your weight because many people think, oh, when I start surfing, think, oh, I'm going to get this board because it's it, it, I look uh, cool with this board and maybe it's a tiny board. So the very first thing that you have to do is like get a big board, maybe like eight or nine feet and foam. It, it has to be made right. by uh, foam. And then this is the one that you have to start uh mm doing into surfing because it has to flood so it has to uh be something like big you know for you to start and to getting confident so forget about be cool with this small board that the professional have and, and everything so yeah you have to get something practical for you for your level so just to go further on that point are you saying that a professional board by definition is always a, a bit smaller than the eight or nine feet ones uh, eight or nine foot ones that you know a beginner might have yeah, exactly. For for you to have an idea, uh, the professional uh, when the the board that they have, the size is like five, four something, five feet, maybe five ten, six, six two, something like this. Wow. And they're small, and they and they and also you can size in liters. 
and maybe it's like 25 liters, 27, 30 liters. Goodness but me. for the beginnings, yeah, it has to be eight, nine feet, 40 liters, something like that. I suppose the, the, I didn't know this at all, but I suppose, yeah, the way you were talking about it, the, the smaller the board, the smaller the, the contact surface area with the water. And so there's, ne- yeah. th- there's less uh, resistance against the water and you can probably go faster, right? And cut through the waves better. Yeah, exactly. And there is something called duck diving, which is you go under the waves to, to, to reach the spot where you want to surf. And then when you have this small board, it's easier to paddle and to go, to go through. Of course. Um, but yeah, exactly. But it's a payoff, isn't it? Because if you've got a bigger board, then you might not be able to go as fast or cut through in, in, in that way. But I suppose by definition, it's easier to balance on the water, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. But everything makes sense because when you, when you begin, I mean, when you start surfing, the waves that you get is when the waves breaks, and then this is the moment when you start jumping the board and then get it balanced. So it's different when, as, uh, when you know how to get waves and then you go to the break point. So it's different levels that you have to go by one by one. So did you obviously start yourself at 17 on a nine-foot board? Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, and now, what, what, if I can ask, what, what are you using right, right these days? Well, I'm using different boards. It depends how the water is, because when there are big waves, you have to use one kind of uh, board, and when the waves are small, you have to to use another one bigger, because you know the the, the waves are not as as strong, and when are big waves, so I check the the water, and then I see I decide what kind of board I'm gonna use for different kind of waves. Yeah, now that makes sense. But what what's the smallest one that you've ever used? If I can ask that, uh, five ten. Yeah, five ten twenty eight liters. One of my favorite size. Wow, is that the actual? What is the the smallest available board that any professional has ever used? Do you know that off the top of your head? Yeah, you can get like four something. It's one of the small ones that I've seen, and the and you can surf through. Yeah, wow. so four like, seven, four eight. And when these professionals are doing these huge waves that we've all seen, uh, those in, insane pictures that people just are totally baffled by, you know, where someone yeah. is surfing a, a wave like you know 10 or 20 meters high or whatever it is like what sort of board would they be using for that kind of thing like five foot or well it kind of it depend depend of uh depending on the on the wave but normally surfers go uh catch waves like maybe two three meters high something like that and they they used to go something between five eight and six two more or less and we're talking about big, big waves, like in Portugal, then it's a different size. It's a different board. It's, it's totally different. What's but for you to know, like, 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 um, surf contest, uh, like around Europe, around the States, they go through, through this size, five, eight, five, 10, six, two, something like that. And what's the biggest wave that you think you've ever sort of, uh, experienced yourself? Have you got any idea um, in meters? Yeah. Well, probably like, between three and four meters it was in costa rica uh, and i never forget this day <laughs> <laughs> oh, i bet i bet so like ruben did you obviously you started off with your older brother at the age of 17 he, he got you into it but did you ever take um professional lessons yeah it was in north spain in a spot called sopelana uh and then i was talking with a instructor very good by the way uh, his name is uh gorka gorka Yarritu. And then uh, he started teaching me a few tricks here and there, how to catch waves, how to get balance. Uh, and when you are 
when you are catching a wave, what you have to do, where you have to look at, where you have to put your weight, things like that. And I improved a lot when I, I was learning about him. Awesome. Do you know that if, you know, if your instructor is still teaching today? Uh, yeah. Yeah, he's still, yeah, he was his teaching. He has his, his own school there in North Spain and it's, yeah, it's the same thing. Awesome. Well, maybe I can get those details for you and I could leave his uh, contact details in, in the show notes. So anyone listening who wants to, to check out Sopelana in North of Spain, they could perhaps go and check him out. Yeah, sure. No problem. Awesome. Mm-hmm. So Ruben, how many classes do you think someone with, you know, an average skill set has to, to take to get to a good level in, in surfing? Yeah. Well, it depends of, on uh, every person. I've been teaching uh, people, like, they get into surfing, like, maybe for about 30, 40 minutes. It's easy for them to start, and then it's easy for them to improve. And some people take uh, more time than that. So on average, well, it depends on the person, but I would say uh, maybe in a week, uh, you can start uh, catching waves and get it good, getting good feelings and things like that. Yeah, I would say... If anyone wants to start, I would then I would uh, encourage them to to book maybe uh, go to a surf camp for a week, and then after a week, I'm pretty sure that the person can start having fun. Okay, and so that we've got an idea of of cost, um, at least in Sopelana, do you have a rough idea, or can you remember how much you know the lessons were? Uh, yeah, it was around, uh, it was a long time ago, but it was around 20 or 30 euros for an hour, something like this. 20 or 30 euros. Okay. And, but that was yeah. a lot, uh, obviously quite a few years ago. So maybe it's increased now. Um, probably a little bit. Yeah. yeah. But I suppose, mm. I mean, you've already mentioned Costa Rica. So people who really want to get into this, they could perhaps dedicate, you know, if they've got the ability a couple of months, go to a, a, a destination that they can afford and maybe, you know, yeah. where the lessons are a bit cheaper and they could really sort of, uh, um, go for it you know full-blown yeah uh, to try and to try and get good in a almost like a crash course uh in in surfing mm-hmm. but it, yeah. in terms of these lessons like how do they do it do they take you out into the ocean or do they ever use those artificial uh wave machines well the very first thing that they they uh the structure do or i do because i also teach uh, people how to surf is like um i'll explain them before getting to the water or go out to the water, I explain them what do they have to do, how do they have to jump in the board, how they have to fall, uh, how they have to paddle, and many how they have to put their, their feet, many different things to be confident uh, before going to the water. So the very first thing that I do is, is like that. Or I think every single surf instructor, uh, they do the same thing, right? Teach them how to do it in the sand, which is easier. And then after that, go to the water, for about 20, 30 minutes, go back to the sun again when you have seen uh, the mistakes that people make or how they can improve, you hold them and then you go into the water again. Okay, yeah, no, it makes sense. Now, you've already spoken about Costa Rica where you caught that four-meter wave and that was like the height of, of your career, so to speak, when you never forgot that feeling. But if you can just track back a little bit, Ruben, what about the very first time you caught any wave? How did that make you feel? Well, it's a feel a feeling that uh, I've been talking with people, and, and we all have all the same opinion. It's a feeling that you never forget because you are uh, you, you watch the water down and you feel uh, the motion, the speed, the peace because it's you've been struggling for a long time to, to, to get this at, until this point, 
And then it's a feeling that you never forget. And then once you get a catch a wave and you, you uh, jump into a board and you have this feeling, you become surfer for all your life. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it sounds, uh, it, it almost sounds like, uh, like a drug, you know, like once, once you've just had that, that beautiful experience, not, not saying that drugs are beautiful, by the way, but it, it sounds almost addictive. That's what I'm trying to say here. It, it sounds that once you've experienced that and it is such a, a healthy addiction to have because you're out in nature, you know? Um, yeah. and it's, uh, I, I can't say I've ever done that. I've done a bit of bodyboarding, which is just where you're not standing on it. You're literally lying on the board, which is just child's play compared to what you're doing. But, you know, even doing that, um, is, it's a beautiful feeling. So I can only imagine how it feels when you're actually standing up and you catch a wave and you, you know, you feel in synchronization and complete synchronization with the waves that just must feel absolutely amazing, you know, but yeah. Going back to when you were 17, obviously you, you started off with your brother's uh, direction and so on. At that time, uh, up until, you know, your early 20s, where I'm assuming a lot of your progress was made, were you juggling other jobs and sort of college or university studies at that time? Or were you able to sort of throw yourself into learning it almost full time? Well, what I did, I was, I can talk, I can tell a little bit uh, uh, of my experience in California. I was living there for about two years and then I was studying there. So what I did to improve my, my surfing is I saw in the, in the college a sign that uh, there was a surf school that they need a surf instructor. And then I applied for it and they hired me. So what I did is during the winter, I was studying and surfing, of course. And in summertime, I was uh, just working in this uh, surf school. Sounds amazing. Now you're obviously from Spain. Uh, that's where yeah. you were born and raised. So could you tell us a little bit about the different spots in 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 Spain that you've been to? Yeah, well, yeah, I've been in in uh, North Spain in different spots like Mundaca, Sopelana, even in Galicia, and some amazing spots uh, like Campello and, and many others also in Portugal and in South Spain. I've been in in Cadiz. So it depends what in the period of the year you can go surfing in one place or, or another. For example, if you go to Cadiz, it's, it's great because uh, it's it's warm and, and everything is perfect. But um, during summertime, they have no waves. So it's good to go in springtime or winter or something like that. And if you're like a very, if, if any surfers are listening to this today, actually, I know a couple will be at least, um, what, place do you recommend for someone who's at a high level and which of those places do you recommend for someone who's basically just getting into it as a starter well every spot have a good days and, and bad days of surfing i mean waves are not always the same some days it's very big you cannot even get into the water and some days it's flat and some days it's small so what i would recommend no matter where you go you have to check first how is how are the waves and if it's adaptable to your level, just go into the water and have fun, pretty much. <laughs> I love it. No, I love it. So, like, obviously, you mentioned Portugal as well. Which, which places in Portugal did you go to? I've been near uh, Lisbon, uh, Cascais, uh, Playa Grande, Carcavelos. Carcavelos is one of my favorite spots. It's great yeah. for surfing. What, why is that? Yeah. Because the beach is very big and there are many spots when you can go surf and and when I went there, it's no, it's not very crowded, so I just have fun there. So, out of all that you you mentioned, the uh, you know it's not very crowded. Out of all the places that you've mentioned, um, did you mention uh, Santander and Galicia? Yeah, Santander. So, like, 
all these places are they sort of at at the, the the time of year when it's good to surf is it rammed with people yeah i mean in these places normally in winter time uh you can you can surf a little bit better because you cannot find like many people in the water but when it's summertime it's a lot of uh, people from different uh uh different p- parts of spain they go surfing there and then it's crowded there's a lot of people a lot of kids a lot of students a lot of school and sometimes it's almost impossible to catch some waves. Yeah, no, of course. So Portugal, like Lisbon, again, very busy place when you've been? Yeah, it's also very busy place. Right. Yeah, 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 of course, it's a very busy place. You know, surfing, it's like, it's kind of many people want to get into it. So so yeah, it's normal. I mean, like people want to go surfing. And then in some parts during the year, it's normal like to be crowded. You mentioned the uh, the Canary Islands uh, at the beginning of our conversation. So that's like Fuerteventura and, and Tenerife. If, you know, obviously you've done both of those islands or just one of them? Yeah, well, I've been surfing mostly in Gran Canaria, in south of the Gran Canary Island. Oh, yeah. Playa del Inglés. Uh-huh. I mean, and it's one of, one of the first spots where I was surfing. And also in Tenerife, in, Tenerife in, in, uh, in south, in Playa Las Americas. And also there is a spot that I really enjoy surfing there, which is Playa de los Patos, which you have to walk for, for a long time, but there's no barrier around. It's like a virgin place. There's no cars can get there, and, and I really have fun in this spot. So when you say no cars can get there, so like how, how long is the walk down? Because obviously you've got to take Pro- all your equipment, haven't you? Yeah, probably have to, to walk for about 20 or 30 minutes until you get there. <laughs> So so it's not just so so for anyone wanting to get into this and and, you know find the spots that really are amazing, it's not just as simple as always getting in your car. Yeah, you know, you've got to put the effort just into getting to the beach, I guess, haven't you? In in uh, you know in certain locations anyway. Yeah, yeah, it's true. There there are different facts that you have to to control to have fun. I mean, how big is the wave? How is the weather? How is the spot? How crowded it is? But when you find a good day of surfing, it's worth it. <laughs> of course, of course. On, on those days when you've put more effort into getting to a certain uh, hidden location, perhaps, do you feel sort of a bit more fulfilled? Like, for example, that day when you had to walk half an hour, is there something more fulfilling about that where you've had, where you've had to put a huge amount of effort just into getting your feet wet in the first place? Yeah, it is. Yeah, it is. I mean, sometimes it's it's hard to to find a perfect place for surfing a perfect spot or sometimes you you see uh, you check the reports and you get there and it's not as big as you want you, you have to move to another place and sometimes it takes effort and and time but um, as, as i said when when you get it it's like you, you go for you go surfing in for maybe for an hour or two hours and it's totally worth it so like you, you've already said how like some days the waves are really big and other days they're not have you ever put a huge amount of effort you know you've woken up you're all psyched up to go you and your friends you're you're in that surfing mood but you've got to the beach of your choice and the waves are just not happening that day has that ever happened to you yeah it, it happened many times in fact <laughs> really what where you can't yeah, even yeah. where the waves are, are so bad that you can't even get in or there's almost no point yeah that happened to me many times i go with my friends with big expectations and when i get to the spot it's like it's flat it's like no i cannot believe it uh, but what can you do? Just the surfing is like is like this, and then you you look for a plan B, and maybe you go for a few drinks with your friends, and then or you go for a swim, or maybe diving, or whatever, any other plan. I think that's what I like about the idea of surfing because it's it just carries with it that that thought of you know the the, the lifestyle that surrounds it. You know, 
Um, you're already yeah. on the beach anyway, and like you said, you can just go and have a chill drink with your with your mates. You, you've already taken the day off. I can imagine it's frustrating when you're in the mood to surf, but it's not like you can't enjoy yourself at all. You know? Yeah, exactly. That's the idea. Mm-hmm. Now you then you, you mentioned earlier in the conversation that you were in California for was it two years? You said I think. Yeah, yeah, I was two, two years living there, studying and and working at the same time. So I can imagine that during those two years, Ruben, you probably started to surf in a lot of famous places, right? Yeah, I was living my dream. My dream. I was I, I was surfing for since uh, San Francisco, North uh, California, till South, till San Diego, all the uh, amazing spots and very um, incredible spots that that everybody was telling me about these spots. I've been surfing there. I can tell you many, like Malibu, Redondo Beach, San Clemente, Trussels, uh, Oceanside, Carlsbad. And my favorite spot so far, I don't know if I would say, but it's crowded anyways. Uh, my favorite spot is called Swamis in Encinitas. It's an amazing Swamis, Swamis yeah. Uh-huh. yeah. Why, why is that? Why is it your favorite? Because oh, those other uh, places you mentioned, like Malibu, uh, Redondo Beach, Venice, Trestles and so on. Carlsbad. I mean, even myself, I'm not a surfer, but I've heard of those places. So why why Swamis and Enchinitas specifically? Um, I don't know how to say it because it, it's so funny. I've been surfing in, in a few places, but when I get there to Enchinitas, I feel like I'm at home. Probably because <laughs> it's a spot like uh-huh. <laughs> like it's it's, a, it's reef, but the wave is, is, is pretty much the same. Uh, it's same size, more or less, and same feelings. It's uh, a bit for uh, like if you go surfing there, it's good to go with uh, longboards, and then people is very friendly there. So there are quite a few different facts that make me feel like I'm at home. Anytime I get there, I feel like oh, I'm at home. And then come on, let's go surfing. Let's catch some waves. <laughs> oh, I love that. And since that two years, have you ever been back, like to to Swamis? I went back just for summertime with my family. We were visiting. We were doing a trip uh, around different states. And then it, it was funny because I told I didn't have my board or you know, whatever. So I told my family, please, could you just give me for a swim 10 minutes to swim? It's because it's, it's home for me. <laughs> so I just, uh, <laughs> I just got some waves, you know, like body, body surfing. And, uh, but yeah, it's something special that I have with yeah. this, this spot. Have you done, uh, have you tried Huntington Beach as well? I don't know if you mentioned that. Yeah, quite a few, quite a few times. I, I, I was the surf uh, US contest there. Uh, by WSL and then I really had fun watching and I was surfing after that mm. so a lot of you guys actually watch the professional events as well right yeah, yeah I love it See, and now I have to be in Madrid for the for this situation you know the current pandemic but even though I um I there is a like a swimming pool here um that it's a artificial uh way so I go quite a few times to see people because there are really good people surfing there it's nearby my house also, I watch uh, on TV. I watch the contest to see these big guys how they surf, and I learn a lot. It's interesting. You've kind of because <laughs> I was going to ask you that because obviously you're you're in Madrid. If we look at the map, yeah. I think most people already know Madrid is is not on the uh, uh, the coastal region of Spain. So uh, my 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 question, which I'm sure other people are sitting there thinking about, is how can you, someone like you, as passionate as you, live in in Madrid? Like, how are you surviving? But I suppose the artificial uh, machine is still, I, I, it can't be the same thing though, right? Like I'm sure you get like a good feeling in that, but being out in the actual ocean in nature, that just must be irreplaceable, that feeling. 
yeah, it is. It is. It's, it's nothing to compare. But the, I, I mean, I was struggling like every every surfing living living here in 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 Madrid in the middle of uh, of the capital of Spain because we have the closest beach probably is like four hours driving. The closest spot for surfing. Uh, which which beach is that, like, by the way, yeah, Ruben? Um, I think the closest one is in Bilbao. I would say Sopelana. Uh-huh. I'm not 100% sure, but I think it's the closest one. Sopelana, Bilbao. So that's in the north of Spain, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. So what you can do, I mean, well, I mean, my, my goal is to go, go back to, to live in the ocean and, and make, a, make a living out of surfing. But meanwhile, what I have to do is try to uh, save money here, work in different things. I work like in events, sport events, which I really have fun. It's not surfing, but it also helps to, to um, you know, to, to do something and to keep you busy in order to, to reach my goal. Yeah, of course. Um, even if it's something not directly related to your passion, if it's going to ultimately help you reach your goal, then it's, it's productive. Yeah. Where, where are you hoping to go, Ruben? You said a coastal region. Have you got any places in mind or? To go to go to go and, and uh, to go and live there. Uh huh. And and make a living out of surfing. Where, where, where are you thinking? Well, there are different spots uh, that I like. I really like to to go there and stay for a while. But I have to first. I have to calculate a few things uh, because my goal is to have like surfer school, mm-hmm. and then um, and then I have to think few, uh, very carefully where where to do it. But some different spots like Costa Rica, for example, I like it and uh, mexico and some others what what's actually involved in making a surfing school of your own like i mean what what i haven't even asked you what qualifications you need to, to like if i want to come to you sort of next week uh yeah. to learn and i'm like ruben teach me to become a surfer sort of thing like what qualifications do you need to have a surfing school like in your case you got taught by your older brother that's fine it's within the family but you know on a on a in an official capacity for someone to learn what is there? You know, we all know that if we want to learn to drive, you have to go to a driving instructor and they've got professional qualifications. So what, what does that look like for surfing? Yeah, well, every every single country have their own rules. So I cannot tell you uh, specifically what are the, the qualifications you have to have. I know some here in Spain that you have to have to be an instructor and probably some other countries, they have another different ones. The one that you have to, to have for sure, no matter where you, where you live, is like, um, some like first aid um, preparation in case if someone needs some help in the water, you have to have this this uh, certification no matter where you go. Right. Now that's interesting. So, in terms of you know, again, you mentioned California. You, you were there for a couple of years. Uh, you've surfed in in many places, and you you mentioned how, for example, if a day uh, happens where you you know the the waves are not very good, you can go for a drink. So obviously. People are sitting there thinking, well, okay, who, who are you going with? Are these your your mates or are you just meeting other random surfers? Because I imagine it's the kind of lifestyle where, again, you all you share this love, right? Um, yeah. Is it easy to just make friends? Like, there you are on the beach. It's, it's a Maybe it's a bad day where the waves are not happening for you. But you, you, you can see each other. Oh, yeah, that guy or that lady's here for surfing today. And you can just sort of kick off on, on a good level and, and start having a, a good conversation. Does it, is that how it works? Yeah, in fact, it's one of the one of the good things about surfing. You can meet and know people from everywhere because you, when you are in the water, um, you can meet people that you can you cannot even imagine where they're from. So, <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, while you're waiting uh, for the waves to come, you start talking with the people that are around you, like where are you from, 
talking about the water and then you become friends and then you maybe go for a drink or whatever after that. And yeah, it's something amazing. Mm. So like, does it draw this, the same type of people with the same vibe? So you mentioned swamis in Enchinitas. Would that sort of draw the same type of people, the same vibe as say, I don't know, Lisbon in Portugal or uh, Galicia or Santander? Well, it's it different because um, what makes different is like it's how, uh, where the people is, is from sometimes. If you go to some spots that it's maybe North Spain, people are very friendly but are very professional as well. Uh-huh. So it's, it's different. Um, every single spot has people. Or if you go to Canary Island, for example, it's different because you're south. You know, and it, it depends also uh, where, they, where are the people from. And you can have uh, different vibes. Okay, that's good to know. You mentioned as well, going back to your California experience, that you were there for for a couple of years, and you went to a surf school. What what was that called? Surfing Fire. <laughs> Surfing Fire. Yeah. Okay, that's a cool name. And, yeah. and you were working there as a, as a teacher, right? Yeah, I was working there as a, as a surf instructor, instructor because they need uh, someone who. Um, teach and also speak Spanish. So all, right. all of my yeah, yeah. yeah, all of all of my mates they were from from California. Interesting. And then the thing that in California, one of the things they have is like um, some student from from Spain. They go to a house family there for um, for a month. Mm-hmm. So it was funny because uh, even we were like very far away from Spain. I had the feeling that I'm here in Spain because you know. <laughs> All of the students, all of the kids, maybe in their 15s. So, so these people were, were actually from Spain. They weren't just like Latin-speaking people from Mexico and, you know, Guatemala yeah. or somewhere. They're all specifically from Spain. Yeah, yeah. And you can tell, you know, because we are, we're in Spain, we are very, uh, we are people that are very noisy people. We make noise. <laughs> so when we were, we were in the, at the beach, you can see like people from Spain because they were, hey, you, give me the <laughs> So it's like, yeah, the Spaniards are here. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I mean, the only way I can tell, which is a pretty rookie way, is uh, I don't even speak Spanish, but the the Latin Americans say sort of like entonces or entonces, and is the, the Spanish don't they say entonces? Yeah. So, so exactly. I, I think when I, you know, when you hear that word, you're like, yeah, yeah, they're from Spain because it's like the thick, um, well, yeah, almost different like, accent. Yeah, it's just different. It's just a bit. It's funny how you can tell not even from from that word or from specific accents, but just because they're loud. <laughs> That's hilarious. Yeah. No, that's, that's very, true. that's very, very cool. So, how, so that experience of teaching, how, how many was it? The whole two years, or, or just sort of six months of you know, of, of that it two was, year period? It, yeah, it was in summertime. So I finished school probably in uh, June, uh-huh. and as soon as I finished school, I started working till September. Okay, that's awesome. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so, okay, and did you get like given? Uh, I don't know, like lodging, or you had to organize all of that yourself? Yeah, well, we were some of us working, so it's the same um, the same routine every day. You give them the wetsuit, you give them the board, you tell them what they they have to do every day to the to the students. So it's pretty much the same thing. And get up the uh, wetsuit, put it in the in the water, and then get back to the to the engine, get back to all the boards, and it's pretty much the same routine every day. Yeah, yeah. No, that sounds amazing, but it's good that you've had that experience because you know you, you've said how you you want to potentially set up your own surf school. Um, yeah. So the fact that you've had that experience, Ruben, is is great because you've you've done that, and now you, I suppose, you know, 
you've learned the ropes uh and and you'd know how to uh how to set one of your own up which 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 would be yeah yeah it helped a lot it helped a lot when i when I uh, I'll open the surface school, it will help. It will help a lot. All this brain that I I had before. Yeah, for sure. I mean, if if you go ahead and you achieve this, I'll have to have you back on the show where maybe we could speak about you know where your surfing school is located, and and then all the listeners can uh, either the ones who are already uh, great surfers or the ones hoping to get into it, maybe they could even give you a visit at some point. So yeah, anytime. Yeah, anytime. No, that's amazing. <laughs> you mentioned Costa Rica. Um, I've never been, but it's definitely on my list because I think it's one of the most naturally sort of like biodiverse countries in the world. Um, which part of Costa Rica did you go to, Ruben? I've been in both sides, in Caribbean side and uh, and also in Pacific side. Mm. I mean, I try, I try to remember spots in the uh, Pacific side, in, in Jaco, Playa Hermosa, uh, and then in Caribbean side, in uh, Puerto Viejo. Yeah, uh, Punta Uva, yeah, places like that. Where where were you getting the best waves? Uh, on, on which side? Mm, I would say in Caribbean side. Okay. Yeah, yeah, and that was consistently the case. Yeah, it was very very consistent. I mean, Pacific side they have an amazing amazing uh, uh, spots too for surfing. But you know, one of these days that the the waves are amazing in in, uh, in the Caribbean side that we really have fun. That's amazing. So in, in, in a place like Costa Rica, the, the places you were going, did you go to any sort of like, if I can use the word resorts, specifically for surfers? Or was it just like you'd, you'd pick a beach that like, oh, I want to go there and check out the, you know, the surfing, and then you'd have to sort of source your own hotel or Airbnb? Was was that more the case? Yeah, it's more like Airbnb when we book uh, you know, an Airbnb in any of these places. And then uh, we were driving all around the coast to find different spots for surfing. Yeah, it's more like that. That sounds absolutely amazing. Now, Ruben, I can't uh, go through this whole interview without asking you this, and I'm sure a lot of the listeners are sitting there thinking, oh, why, why isn't he asked this question? So what is the scariest experience that you've ever had when surfing? Well, I, I had I had many. I, I don't want to scare uh, the listeners. No, but scare I had us, many. please. <laughs> But uh, yeah, I had many. Uh, one of them, for example, in California with big waves in, in Oceanside, which is which was one of the spots that I, I served. Uh-huh. Uh, uh, my lease got broke and I was just in the middle of the ocean. And then my board, you're going to get straight to the shore. You, you're, sorry, so you, to, you said your knees broke? No, my, my lease, my lease. You know, the lease is this <laughs> right, thing that, sorry, this totally kind of rod that. that you put in, the, in your ankle. Oh, right. Yeah, and of course, then, of course. Yeah, yeah. And then, you know, the board obviously goes with the wave and then straight to the shore. And then you are in the middle of the ocean with big waves. And then you have, oh, I had to word. paddle all the way. And there are so many others. I got cut with the fence, fence, and then many others. I got uh, hit by a rock in Portugal. Uh, and many other things. I mean, nothing like very big, unfortunately. But this has happened, you know, when you are in the water, you, you know that something has, uh, can happen. So the thing is like, as I said before, uh, be very conscious of, of your surfing level and then do one thing or another. And if you see, if you have any doubt that you are not sure if you are going to be safe getting into the water, don't do it. Yeah. That's my advice. Uh-huh. That first experience that you told us about, how long did it take you approximately to get to safety? Uh, what experience do you mean? Yeah, yeah. When, when it snapped, how, how and you were on your own with the big waves. 
How long did it get you to, yeah. to get back to shore? Probably about 20 minutes for me. Are you serious? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And did you, did you yeah. lose your board or were you able to get it back? Oh, but my board was there waiting for me, but without a leash. <laughs> okay, <laughs> so, so the current had taken it back, but but then you, 20 minutes, oh my goodness me. Yeah, that, that must have been terrifying. So you've got to kind of be a strong swimmer, let's be honest. If you want to get into surfing big time, you've got to be a strong swimmer. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I I swim every year, no matter where I am. And I go maybe two, three times or four times a week. I go to the swimming pool indoor sometimes in winter and I and I go swim because I, I want to be prepared for these things. Mm. So if, again, we've had a great conversation and I'm sure a lot of the, the surfers have, <laughs> are listening to this thinking, right, taking notes of places that they can try out, especially once the uh, the pandemic fully lifts with its restrictions and so on. But if someone is sitting listening to this and they're thinking yeah you know Ruben has convinced me now I I really do need to get onto this surfing thing because I I know for a fact there's a lot of people that have thought about it but for for one reason or another it's just too daunting so how what sort of words of encouragement can you can you give to those people and what practical advice can you give them to start as soon as possible well what I what I would tell them is just go for it because surfing is one of the things that you guys have to go for it and it's very rewarding because all the feelings that you that you have when you when you learn, and be constant, uh, don't give up. And mm-hmm. the most important, one of the most important things is that, like, um, have a good instructor that is with you all the time. Is you is with you in the water when you have a certain level of uh, catching waves. Uh, and and most important things, have a good wetsuit to don't get uh, like very cold when you are into the water. Uh, and also, and the most important thing, get a proper board for your level. If you are a beginner, big board, a lot of leaders, no matter what, or something like like can float, and you can feel confidence for the beginning. Yeah, it's it's probably good to to not try and jump your level just just to stay balanced, you know. Because if if you can stay balanced with the big board, it was, it's still going to give you that nice feeling, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, exactly. No, that's awesome. Yeah. Well. Now, Ruben, it's been really cool uh, having you on. It's, it's, you've given us a, a cool insight into the world of surfing. And obviously, many surfers are going to be able to connect with a lot of what you've said. Maybe they've even been to a lot of the places that you've spoken about. And it's just going to reinforce their love of, of the sport. But I also think that you've inspired so many to give surfing uh, a second thought that it deserves. You know, it's never too late for them to get started. So, yeah, Ruben, I, I really appreciate you coming on, man. Thanks. Thanks so much. Thank you. It's been a pleasure for me to talk to you and, and uh, thank you all the listeners. And yeah, and it's, it's been a blast to be here. Awesome. Well, maybe when you start that surfing school, I'm going to have to have you back on, right? <laughs> yeah, let's go for it. Also, you can come and surf with me and with us. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. Well, my guest today was Ruben Martin from the Spanish capital of Madrid. In the words of many a poet, it's never too late to start. So if you've ever had the urge to start surfing, but you've never had the confidence, I hope that Ruben, through today's episode, has inspired you. I'll link in the show notes all the recommended places that Ruben spoke about in Europe, in California and Costa Rica. And I'll also leave the notes to his surfing instructor in the north of Spain. In case you're there, maybe you could check him out as well. If you've enjoyed today's episode, please do share it with a family member or friend who you think would get something out of it. My name is Nate Ralph and you've been listening to another episode of The Inquisitive Tourist.